are blessed by our praise team, don't y'all think? Yeah, we can clap for them, especially for that awesome drumming this morning. Finish it up, I saw the light with a bang. Get it? Because he was on the drums. It didn't. All right. Um, y'all are no fun. Maybe it's not that you're no fun. Maybe you're just thinking about what we just sang. Thinking that his... He's worthy to be praised. Whatever the day brings. Whatever the day brings. So how are you today? I bet Miss Faith is a little bit mixed emotions today. Because today's her anniversary. And he is no longer with us. But he is with our Lord. And so we celebrate that he gets to be in the presence. Seated around the throne. Saying, is it time yet, Jesus? (laughs) I'm ready. Are you ready yet? We also are very sad that he's not here. We grieve with you. Why are you sorry? We're with you, my dear mama. Maybe you had a great week this week. Full of light and life and energy. Maybe you made all the right moves this week. You feel like really confident, like, yes. Maybe you're second-guessing a lot of the choices you made this week. Maybe you fumbled it. Maybe you didn't just act foolishly, but you acted rebelliously this last week. Maybe you think had an awesome conversation the other day, and um, the young woman said, I think sometimes we go to church and you get shame heaped upon you, like we don't know that we're shameful, (laughs) and really what we need is to understand we all carry so much shame around with us as it is the gospel never says hey hey it doesn't really matter what you did god doesn't just wink at our failure rebellion. the gospel says your failure your mess up your missteps your your outright rebellion they're not the end they're not the end So, all I'm going to invite y'all to do right now is sit before the Lord with where you're at. 
And we're going to open up the text and we're going to expound out of the text. And what we're looking for is for the spirit to speak to us today. I have nothing clever to offer you. And y'all know that because y'all have been here before. Right? You know there's nothing clever here. But I do have this word that reveals our God and his character and his goodness. And his love and his mercy to us. And so today, as we, as we prepare for the word, might we just sit in front of God and you bring him your heart. I'll give you a moment and I'll pray and we'll continue on. If you're still praying, do not let my prayer interrupt yours. Lord, I love you. And I come to you today as one whose heart's heavy. I have sorrow on several fronts in my heart today. And Lord, I just pray and I ask that you would be the God who could attend to me. Minister. Lord, I lift up my brothers and my sisters to you. I'm thankful for this body of believers. I'm thankful that we are gathered here today. And we came together so that we could fellowship we could build up one another. We could worship and be built up as a body that we could be built up by you. So, Lord, we come to you right now. We ask that you would, you would, do, you would do work your wonderful craftsmanship amongst us today, Lord. I lift up the prayers of my brothers and my sisters. I pray and I ask that you would attend to them. And I pray that everything we do here today would not only bring you honor and glory, but prepare our lives evermore to live in glorifying ways. I pray these things in the mighty, resurrected name of Jesus. Amen. So last week we had a baptism and there was a baptistry slash horse trough up here. And it, I showed a picture of it was 
brimming full. If you missed the picture, you should have been here. Um, no, I'm just joking. Um, but it was, it was brimming full, and that's because uh, I got on the phone with somebody while I was filling the baptistry and uh, got lost in the conversation and almost forgot uh, that there was water uh, being uh, filled up. And so, I mean, this, this place would have, it would have flooded uh, our sanctuary, and, um, and that would not have been very fun. The, y'all, the, the friend that I was talking to, he actually, um, he's, he, he's, he's uh, owner, part owner of a company that, uh, that does disaster um, related <laughs> uh, cleanup and renovation. And so, uh, so like, like last summer, um, we had a leak in our bathroom at our house and uh, he, he came and he brought over dryers and humidifiers and everything and uh, helped us out that way. But uh, I was thinking um, uh, while I got off the phone with him, I was like, did he know that I was filling the baptistry? Like, was he? He was like, we were that close. We were that close to a, a great disaster that we could have come in and helped. Um, and of course, that's all just silliness. But, um, but we started talking about... Uh, Abundance. I said that the, the image of this baptistry that was filled to the very tip top and only by the hand of God did it not spill over. It gave me this word abundance. And we talked about it last week, like the baptismal waters are abundant. Right? We, we, we can return to this image over and over and over and over again. To remind ourselves that, hey, just like Jesus was literally put to death and came out through the resurrection, we've, we've identified with him and said that our old lives are now dead. There's a new life that we are going to live. Talked about it with the Lord's table as well, the elements there. And so... Um, we started asking some questions last week. Because see, sometimes instead of thinking that we have an abundance, sometimes we think that, and and, and like we have this spring of living water flowing up within us, we feel drained. Or that our time, our energy, our money has been taken from us. That our patience our kindness has been seized from us. And so we said, hey, look, it, sometimes it comes down simply to a difference of perspective. Rather than drained, maybe I pour out, I offer, I give. And, and then we said, okay, why, why, why would you, like, what, what, what could help change that perspective? And that perspective can actually kind of teeter, if you will, on whether or not you see your resources as limited or unlimited. Scarce or abundant. And then this week, as I was studying, I was reminded about this story that you can pick up in 2 Corinthians 
In very beginning of 2 Corinthians, uh, Paul begins to talk about how they were comforted in a time whenever they needed comfort. And then in chapter 7, he, he outlines really clearly what gave them comfort. And so as I was reminded of the story, I was re reading the text again. I thought, you know, something else that, that's necessary for us to, to kind of have that perspective. I'm going to pour out. I'm going to give. I'm going to offer my energy, my resources, my love. Something else that's necessary is, is whether we consider it a waste or a benefit. Did I just waste my time? Let's think about it like this, not just thinking about, I mean, I think we could think about it like in economics, but have you ever had a broken relationship? Maybe it was a, another partner that you, you loved, you married, and the relationship is no more. Maybe it was a friendship. Maybe the relationships within your family. I've seen broken relationships in families. Siblings estranged from one another. One of the things that you kind of tend to think about is when you, when you put so much of yourself, because relationships require a lot of us, don't they? When you put so much of yourself into it, the, the, the thought can creep in that was a waste of time. It was a waste of years. Now, how do we know if things are wasted or beneficial? How do we know? Or do we need to know? Well, let's think about this. Usually... Usually, you don't find out right away, do you? You don't typically know immediately. I think sometimes we even say, well, I don't even need to know. That sounds like a good, faithful answer. I don't need to, I'm just offering this to the Lord. I'm entrusting it to him and I don't even need to know. And I get where that impulse comes from. There's something beautiful about that. 
And listen, I'll tell you, if you're strong enough and you, you have the, the will and you have the faith enough to do that, I applaud you. But I, I fear that sometimes we make that the gold standard. You don't need to know and you're not supposed to know and God doesn't even really want you worrying about that. And this is why the story that Paul tells is so important to me. Because Paul's a hero, right? We've talked about this before. If we're not careful, we make Paul like the fourth person of the Trinity. You know, like it's like uh, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and then the Apostle Paul, right? He is, he, if we're not careful, we forget that he was a flesh and blood human being. We forget that Paul had to learn things. I mean, even that text that we read this morning, people will re read this statement. Paul says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. And people, people read that, they, they, they claim that, and they're like, oh, I'm, Paul just had so much more than I have. And I'm like, no, Paul just told you he learned to do this. It didn't come automatic to him. It wasn't just like, hey, he, was, you know, he wasn't even a, 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 I think, you know, people just like, man, you know, he had so much more faith than I do. Y'all felt that way before? We get shamed by reading Paul's great declaration. But what's interesting is Paul was no stoic. And by stoic, I, I mean like that school of philosophy. That says basically life doesn't affect you. And the best way to live is an unaffected life. Which I believe is baloney. I think there's a lot of good principles that can come out of stoicism. There's some, there's some grit that you need in this life, right? We don't need to all be run over by every, everything that uh, has ever happened to us that hurt us. But to say... That what God wants from us is for us to be unaffected, uh, to not be impacted by what we're pouring out and whether or not it's going to yield fruit. I do not believe to be extremely biblical. The Apostle Paul reveals this himself. So, without any further ado, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter number 1, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all, everybody read that word together? The God of all? The God of all? The God of all? Comfort. Can we all say it together? Come on. The God of all? Comfort. comfort. Here Paul is making a specific claim about God. This is not some generic praise. God is just good. No, God of all what? Comfort. Today, as I'm writing this, I'm making note why I am thankful of God. And it's not generic. It's specific. He comforts people. And let me give you a praise report. 
He comforted us in all our tribulation so that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. If y'all did not like the word comfort before that sentence, you will not like it after, I promise you. He comforted us in all the ways that we were comforted in so that we could comfort and comfort, comfort, comfort. Paul, come on, man. He comforted us so that we could comfort you by the same comfort that we received of God. And then Paul says, for as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, we are pouring out a lot. We are giving a lot. There's an abundance of need for our resources. So our consolation King James Version sometimes just kills me. You just said comfort 50 times in one sentence. And then the next sentence, you can't say comfort again? Nope, we're going to say consolation here. It's the same word. It's the same word. It's just funny to me sometimes. Oh, we said comfort 50 times in that one verse. Well, let's just, we got we to gotta move on. What's another consolation? All right, everybody, we're good. So our consolation, our comfort, also abounds by Christ. We've received comfort in the midst of us pouring out an abundance. And now we have an abundance of comfort to offer, to give. Where did this comfort come from? Did Paul say, well, I just had this warm, fuzzy feeling? Everything was going to be okay. And then I was like, yeah, everything will be okay. And now I feel better. Because doesn't that work for you? I mean, if I was a motivational speaker uh, making a, a lot of money on a circuit, well, all I would do is tell you, you just got to get your mind right about it. Stop looking at everything so negatively. You just got to hope. Sometimes when people look at the faith that we have, the faith that's articulated in Scripture, and, 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 and they know it. Like if they see our faith and then they act like we are playing this very, um, you know, this very flimsy game with our life. They're like, well, what are you basing it on? What are you rooting it in? Uh, I'm basing it on people who... Who, who swore with their whole lives that their testimony was true and they had nothing to gain. I'm basing it on their testimony. And, and along with their testimony, the Holy Spirit of God has actually revealed to me that the truths in this word are not just truths for this word but they are truths in this world i'm basing it on the lived experience that that it is better for me to offer forgiveness whenever people have taken it from me and hurt me and offended me 
And they, they did it on accident. And we can all, we can all excuse somebody who did it on accident, can't we? Or when they did it on purpose, I've learned it's better to live a life of forgiveness and mercy than it is to live one that is filled with hatred and bitterness and envy. And I say all that to say this. We get this bad rap that we're just believing some loose, flimsy stuff, but people will go and they will pay way too much money to hear these motivational speakers that ultimately tell them, just think better. Which, I don't have a problem with you having a positive outlook on life. But they root it in nothing. You know, no, you know what they root it in? My story. Hey, let me tell you how I became a success. And everybody's like, yeah, I want to be a success like that. Paul is going to tell us in chapter 7 where this comfort came from. He said, God of all comfort comforted us. He gave us a lot of comfort when we needed a lot of comfort. And because we've received it from him, we're able to give a lot of comfort. Chapter 7, where did the comfort come from? Paul writes in verse number 2 of chapter 7. Receive us. We have wronged no man. We have corrupted no man. We have defrauded no man. Receive us. If you don't know the situation in 2 Corinthians, here's some insight to why Paul is saying receive us. There were different divisions in the church at Corinth. And Paul had received news of these divisions. And he engaged in a back and forth through letters with them and he wrote a letter that we th th he wrote a letter and they responded with a letter that we have nothing no insight to our first corinthians is not the first corinthian letter we know this because paul alludes to another letter within first corinthians and so they would they were arguing they were disagreeing through letters and Paul, a lot of times, like in 1 Corinthians, he is disagreeing with them. And he will say, hey, you've said this. He doesn't say it that clearly. You have to kind of tease it out because it's a because they knew what they had said. We're kind of reading somebody else's mail. But it's like, hey, you've said this. You said that women should have to come in with their heads covered with a veil. And if they don't, they might as well shave their heads. And Paul goes, and you're basing all of this because you think, that men are better than women. And he challenges their thought process there. And he said, really, you're all the children of God, full stop. Stop trying to do this demeaning power play, male versus female. So 
So Paul engages in this series of letters back and forth with the church. And they're in disagreement. And one of the letters, they actually, in 2 Corinthians, he's, he's responding to some charges that they have levied against him. You speak real boldly whenever you're writing us letters, Paul, but you were never this bold whenever we saw you. Hey, Paul said that he was going to come back. Paul hasn't come back yet. I wonder what gives. Paul's a lot of talk. He's a bunch of hot air. The old windbag Paul. That's as far as I'm going to take it, I had to go one step further, right? And these are people that Paul poured out his life for. So parents, whenever your children become teenagers and they stop loving you and trusting you and they start holding you in suspicion and you're going, I don't know what gives. That's where Paul is with the first the churches at Corinth. They're angsty teenagers. And Paul, he just doesn't cut the mustard. He's not cool like all the other cool cats are, are out there, right? He doesn't have the bravado of everybody else. So, Paul wants to come back to see them, but he's not really sure how he's going to be received. And then, he receives word. He says, receive us. We've wronged no man. We've corrupted no man. We've defrauded no man. He says, I speak not this to condemn you, for I have said before that you are in our hearts to die and live with you. Now, we love you so much. We would give our lives for you, and we want to be with you. It's like a parent loves a child. Great is my boldness of speech towards you. Great is my glorying of you. I am filled with all comfort, or I'm filled with comfort. I am exceeding joyful in all our tribulation. He comes back to the word comfort. Hey, I want y'all to receive us. I'm not saying, I'm just being clear here. We've never defrauded you. We've never taken anything from you. I'm not saying this to condemn you. What you really need to know is what my heart is for you. My heart for you is I would give my life for you. And I've been in anguish over this. But right now, even in the midst of all of our tribulation, I've received some comfort. What did he receive comfort through? When we were come into Macedonia, our flesh had no rest. We were troubled on every side. Without were fightings. Within were fears. Nevertheless, God, that comforted those that are cast down, the same Declaration that he made of God in chapter number one, he returns to in chapter number seven. He comforted us by the coming of Titus. And not by his coming only, but by the consolation wherewith he was comforted in you. When he told us your earnest desire, your mourning, your fervent mind toward me. So that I rejoice the more. Paul received comfort. That his angsty children. Were turning a corner. 
I always say this, my dad did not live long enough for me to fully appreciate him. Because every young man knows this, that there's a period of time whenever your dad, you think, knows nothing. And then you grow up and you start wearing the shoes that he wore. And you start understanding, oh, I know why he made this decision. And you start having children of your own. And you're going, oh, this is what he felt like every day. <laughs> I get it. This is why he wasn't like, hey, let's go play catch. He was like, get out of my face. Not that my dad ever said get out of my face, but we didn't play a whole lot of catch. Yep, if he would have just lived a few more years, I wouldn't be talking about him, but I would be talking to him. I'd be asking him questions that I didn't think I needed his answers to, and I would have been commiserating with him. I'm like, okay, I get it. I get it now. The kids were growing up. And Paul saw, like, hey, they're kind of coming back around. How did he receive this news? He received this news from Titus, who he had sent there, because he said, Titus, take this letter, and you come, and you tell me how they're doing. How did they receive the last letter? I, wa I want them to know they're still in my heart. I don't want them to think that I've forgotten about them. I can't get there right now, but Titus, you go. And then, and then he's waiting for Titus. Hey, has anybody heard from Titus? Anybody? Anybody get a call? Just joking. They didn't have phones back then. Anybody get a pigeon? Pigeon coming today? Tweet, tweet. Um, I could keep talking, and I just need to shut it down now, though. Because here's the deal. Paul saw that his resources weren't wasted. And that gave him comfort. He saw that all the, 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 the letters that were being written, the time and the energy that he's pouring into them, the grief that he's weighing through, all, all the, the, the hours and days and arduous journeys to get the letters back and forth. It wasn't for nothing. But Paul sees my life that I went there, I went there, and I gave them my life. And for a long time, for, for a season, it looked like it was wasted. And I could imagine there were some prayers because Paul seems to be pretty honest before the Lord. And he tells us in 2 Corinthians, hey, there was a time that I said, get this thorn out of my flesh. It's, it's keeping me down. Don't you know what I could do without the thorn in my flesh? So I would imagine that Paul had some lengthy prayers with God where he was like, did I just waste my time? I gave them my life and look how they're despitefully using me. I poured out. Was it a waste, God? 
it feels like a waste. And then Titus comes back. And Titus goes, no. Not a waste, buddy. Not a waste. Now, here's the deal. I said earlier, there is a way in which we go, like, we want to be better people. We want to not need that. And I think we think that that's highest, but that seems the most proud way that we could be. I don't need any comfort. I just need to offer it and trust that something good will come out of it. That's awesome. That sounds good. But you're also saying you don't need. And what God revealed to me is I have a great, a great amount of need. You know, it sounds like I almost don't need God to actually comfort me. And I don't need others because I can do this all by myself. Thank you very much. That's not piety. That's not humility. That's flat out pride. Masquerading as piety. Here's the deal. I will say this. Uh, sometimes we need the lesson. And sometimes we need the lesson again and again and again. And sometimes we get the lesson the first time. And so maybe the next time it's not as deep and it doesn't hurt as much. We can trust it a little bit, right? But I don't think we should deny ourselves the lesson. The opportunity for God to come in and say, I know you're scared that this is for nothing, but let me show you some fruit. The Corinthians were not at the end of their journey, but Paul saw a little bit of life and he clung to it. He held on to it and he received it as comfort. And that comfort that he received filled him with the ability to continue to be a comfort for others. It became not a scarce resource, but an abundant resource. So here's what I'll say. You're probably not going to find out if it's wasted or beneficial immediately. There's going to be some time that you are just going to have to go, I'm planting and I'm watering and I'm trusting that this is the way. And you should also be aware that you're probably going to grow weary in doing it. It's going to become the dog days of summer and, uh, and the cultivating and watering and keeping the pest out and praying for rain is going to get old. Are y'all following the image? And here's what I want you to understand. God knows that. He knows you're going to get tired. 
He knows that you're going to go, is anything going to come of all this work? And God is not sitting there going, I can't believe you're not faithful enough. God is going, yeah, I, I get that. And God will be faithful to just give us, let's call it first fruits, using the harvest metaphor. He'll give us some first fruits so that we can see, okay, I can keep going. And here's what I want us to acknowledge. We don't need to deny ourselves the first fruits. We need to receive the first fruits as grace from God to help us on. And then I will say this. We're not guaranteed that our resources won't be quote unquote wasted. We have no guarantee of that. We have no guarantee of that. And whenever we are looking and considering that our resources are wasted, we need to look to Jesus. And Jesus offered his life in love. And there are people today, there are people then and there are people today who don't accept his life for them. Using your resources is always going to be risky. But your resources are not scarce. They're abundant. They're abundant. And we know this, that those who sow much reap a whole lot. And those who are too scared, too withdrawn, too timid, too frustrated to sow much will not reap very much either. So I don't give you any guarantees, but I do know this. The probability goes up that the more that you sow, the more you pour out, the greater the harvest. And so I invite you, my brothers and my sisters, I invite you, we're all invited, to know that our resources are abundant. And that we're never going to get any fruit if we keep them to ourselves. So let's, let's bountifully sow so that we might bountifully reap. And with that, I say, amen. Lord, I love you. And I thank you for who you are. God, I pray. I thank you for this day. I pray that we will not be those who deny ourselves the gifts that you give us to strengthen us, to comfort us, 
I pray, Lord, and I ask that you would help us to sow bountifully. Lord, I pray that you'd meet with us in the next few moments just as we reflect on what, what we've received today. Pray that you'd meet with us in Christ's name. Brother Mitch is going to continue playing. I invite you to pray right where you're at. Reflect over the word. What has God spoken to you? Talk to him about that. If anybody needs to come here for prayer or for any other reason, I invite you at this time. And after a couple minutes, we'll be dismissed with a song. Amen. This morning, um, I have some good news for us, Friends of the Baptist Church. Uh, this is Miss Mary Bransom. Uh, Mary, I, I need to stand here because then it just looks like I'm trying to do something that I'm not trying to do. Right? Mary started uh, attending our services online um, last year and, uh, and, and then reached out and we've uh, exchanged some. Uh, some messages, and whenever um, whenever spring came around, uh, and she began to attend in person, and uh, and she's been here. She's brought her family along uh, with her. Her sister is here with her today for the last time today before she goes back to uh, college. Um, but uh, Ms. Mary um, was uh, inquiring about joining uh, our fellowship of believers, and so we sat down and talked. Mary is. Uh, she's a follower of Jesus. She's been baptized uh, in a church of like faith, and um, she uh, wants to come and join Friends of Baptist Church. And I say amen to it. Do y'all say amen with me? Amen. amen. Um, no opposition there. <laughs> so uh, it's 
not the best time to uh, to start coming to a church online. And then and then whenever she comes, we're doing social distancing and all that, and we haven't had all the uh, resources that we've had uh, previous. But we'll get back to those things. But uh, but um, so. Some of y'all might have seen Ms. Mary and y'all not been able to talk to her. I'm just going to, I'm introducing her to y'all this morning and y'all make sure that you, uh, you get to know her and let her get to know you and build the fellowship of the body there. Um, what I want to do is I want to pray over Mary and, uh, and over us and then uh, Brother Mitch will uh, lead us in our uh, closing song. Lord God, I love you and I thank you for who you are. Um, God, Thank you for Mary. Thank you for her life. Thank you that she was able to find us uh, through live stream efforts, which I'm sure were kind of maddening at times because uh, our technology was not always the best. But Lord, thank you for this, like you opened up our, our walls as it were. Oh Lord, what I know about Mary is that she has uh, gifts and skills that she wants to use to serve you with. And I pray and I ask that as she comes and she finds her way here, finds her, her, her way in our church, Lord, that we would be able to um, come around her and, Lord, uh, not only celebrate her gifts and abilities that she wants to use in your name, but, Lord, also that you would uh, help us to uh, be built by them and to continue building her up. And then, Lord, I also know that as she comes, she comes looking for sanctuary. And Lord, I pray that we would be a good sanctuary for her. I pray that, there, that our church family and Mary, that our lives will grow together, be knit together, and that we can give the comfort and grace to her, the edification that she needs, and we can receive that from our sister as well. And then, Lord, I pray that you would be with me as a pastor, that I would be a diligent pastor, a dedicated pastor. I pray that you would be with uh, our, our, our fellowship of a body, that we would all, as Ephesians says, that we have this great foundation, but that we would be built up together as a holy temple, Lord. I pray your blessings over Mary. I thank you for her being a part of us now. We celebrate your good name. And we celebrate her and this beautiful body of believers that you've given us. We pray all these things in Christ's mighty, resurrected name. Amen. And Miss Mary will be, uh, she'll be in the back, um, probably uh, no, um, no handshakes, but maybe some elbows and uh, those kind of things. Um, Y'all just at least, at least extend some, some smiles uh, to her. And um, with that, I'm going to say amen this morning, uh, Brother Mitch. Amen. Let's stand up together, if you will, all right?